Well, hello, Deer Creek. My name is Aaron Ellis. If we haven't had a chance to meet, I'm on staff here as the worship director. And I have the opportunity, the privilege to preach this morning at Deer Creek. Really got, you know what? The first service, I got an applause. <laughs> oh, that's really not going to make sense by the end of the sermon. Um, you'll understand why. <clears throat> No, but I, it's, it's great to be here. We are, we are happy to be here. We're, we are so pleased to be a part of a, a great community. And, and actually, I um, forgot to mention this a second. So the reason why I'm preaching is, is we have, as a leadership team, we have opportunities to grow all the time. And this was just, a, just was one opportunity this morning that, that I could take a slot and, and grow in preaching and communicating. So thank you. And you know what? Here's, here's the cool thing. Um, if you haven't already noticed on your way in, this morning... We have ice cream. So I, I, I set that up intentionally. That was my plan because I was thinking if I'm going to be preaching and this does not go well, at least we have ice cream. So I'm excited. Enjoy ice cream after. Now you're going to be looking forward to that the whole time. Hey, exciting things going on here at Deer Creek. Great stuff happening. Dwayne just wrapped up his sermon series last week on the Sermon on the Mount really well. We have something to celebrate this morning. Tim shared a number with me this week that's actually incredible. Since September, listen to this, since September, Deer Creek has seen 95 people profess faith in Jesus Christ, say that they want to follow Jesus. Let's give God glory. Let's give him the glory. Yeah. That is good news. That is something to celebrate together. See, I mean, my own son, my own four-year-old is super excited about that. He's like pumped up, celebrating. I can't remember that one. Um, no, good stuff. And then also, as a community, we have an opportunity next Saturday, the 13th. It'll be up on the screen here. Uh, we're going to participate in a community service day where we finish building the playset that we started last year. You guys remember that? We started building a playset. Last year, we're going to finish that. And this is awesome because God is going to be using Deer Creek to bless our community to make sure we want to make sure that children in our own community have a safe place to play and have a good time. And, and um, God, we're doing that in Jesus' name to bless our community. We, we've been blessed, and so we want to turn around and be a blessing, right? So if you have not signed up for this event, you can go out these doors at the end of the service and go out these doors, turn right. There's a welcome table. You can actually sign up there. Or if you want to do it online, you can go to DeerCreekChurch.com and backslash registrations, I think. And either way, you go to DeerCreekChurch.com and you can find information on that and you can actually sign up there. So you're good to go. So go ahead and do that if you haven't already done that. But this morning, yes, question. Pick up a t-shirt. Good, yes. On your way out this morning, if you signed up and if you have already signed up, make sure to grab a t-shirt here. Because that's, that's, our, that's our uniform, our Deer Creek purple uniform that we're going to be wearing um, so that we can all know who's, who's a part of our crowd and, and we can find each other and work together as a community. So grab a t-shirt on your way out this morning. But this morning, here's what I want to do. I want to spend the next 30 to 35 minutes or so reminding us that the gospel is telling us that Jesus is plan A for our salvation. He is plan A. And I said 30 to 35 minutes because I want to make sure that you knew that it's going to be shorter than Dwayne. <laughs> so, <laughs> you will rise and call me blessed at the end. I'll tell you what. Really. Let's see if we even make it to 30 minutes. I don't even know. I don't want to get, you know, get your hopes up. But I know ice cream is calling. But listen, again, 
This is what we're going to be focusing on. Jesus is plan A. There is no other plan. Your salvation rests in Jesus and his sufficiency and his sufficiency alone. There is no plan B. There's no plan B. Meaning he is the start and the finish of our salvation. He is the one who leads us to, to, to the door. And then he's the one who carries us through the door and then carries us all the way to the end. He's the driver. We need to hear this because we forget. We forget this. So the Apostle Paul, he, he wrote a letter to the Colossians because they were starting to forget. And some of them had forgotten. He had received, a, the Apostle Paul received a concerning report that there were some philosophies and practices that were, that were circulating around. They were basically saying, oh, you know, that, that Jesus is awesome and everything, that's great, and uh, I'm glad you became a follower of Christ, but now it's time to really make sure that you're in. Let's really make sure, let's, let's come up with these practices, with these regulations, with these things that we need to be observing. Let's make sure we write this down so that we are clear how we maintain our salvation. Dangerous stuff, Paul says. Dangerous stuff because that's not what was designed because that's not plan A. And Paul is reminding him that is not plan A. We don't know the details. of It, it, it is a little confusing about exactly what was going on in, uh, in the, in the, with the Colossians because we don't know the, all the details of what was being taught. But what we do know, here's what we can gather. What was being taught is this. Jesus is good and all, but we got something else that we need you to do to maintain your salvation. That's what was being taught. So Paul, he gets in there and he attacks this because the, the Colossians were beginning to forget that salvation is and will always be by grace alone. And they were suffering from what I call gospel amnesia. We're we're prone to forget the news. We're, we're, pro, we're prone to forget that Jesus is plan A. So listen to this passage. We're going to be focusing on Colossians chapter 2, verse 8 through 15. Hear what the Apostle Paul says. He says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and, and not according to Christ." For in him the fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having, forgive, having forgiven us all our, trans, our trespasses and canc by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. He's saying, remember, it's by grace that you've been saved. And Jesus is all the resources you need. This is what he's saying. Jesus is all the resource you need to continue in your faith, to continue in salvation. Take a look up here. 
You guys know what that's called? You know what that is? Yeah. Well, I, hear, I hear some technical terms, but here's the thing. So I, I, was, uh, I was in California, and I was shopping. I was just, just looking around at a, at a bike shop, and I was looking at one of these, and, and I, was, I was admiring it, and he said, oh, yeah, that there, that's what we call a divorce maker. <laughs> what? You know what's funny is I actually, as soon as he said that, it all just clicked, because I, I knew exactly what he was talking about, because just a few days before this conversation, Jackie and I tried to ride one of these. We tried it. Here, here's a picture of us. We can see the picture of us on the screen there. No, that's not us. They're having way too much fun. Lies. So I see that picture and I start thinking, no way. After our experience, which lasted what seemed like hours, there's no way I can look at a picture and believe that, there, that people can really have that much fun. I, you know, maybe after some practice, I, I have no idea. I have no idea. But here, here's, here's, what, here's what was going on. The person who sits in the front of the seat, the front, is called the captain. That's what you call it. That's actually, that's real. That's a technical term for the person who sits in the front of the seat of a tandem bicycle. The captain, this guy, he's the captain. He's having a good time. You see that? So I thought I was a pretty good captain. And I was like, you know, I'm going to do a pretty good job at this. You know, it's just natural for me to do this. And, and we were, by the way, I don't, I don't know if I mentioned this, we were pretty newlyweds. I mean, I think we'd been married for about a month. Yeah. Yeah, a little over a month. Now I think that it was. It was just a little over a month. And so here's the thing. We start going, and, and Jackie's really struggling. She's having a hard time. See, I'm like, what's, what's going on? Come on, let's go, let's go. It was one of those old school tandem bikes, too, that, that, that both, both uh, pedals don't necessarily move at different paces. Like, she couldn't necessarily set, set her own pace. I was setting the pace, and I was just like, let's go, woo! And I'm charging forward, and I'm eager to get there, and she, for some reason, is eager to jump off and walk home. That's what she wants to do. Because what was happening was I was going too fast, and the pedals were coming up, and her feet were slipping off, and they were hitting her in the shins. She was just having a hard time. I would turn right, and, and she would lean left, like, oh, I'm scared. And I felt, I was like, what's going on? She would put her feet down. And, she, and, and then, you know, imagine what happens when you put your feet down when you're sitting on a, on a bike. The bike keeps going, and you're gone. So I kept turning back. Where is Jack? Why is she on the ground again? This is ridiculous. Get up. Come on. Hey, okay, so the next time we got on, I said, okay, just trust me. I got this. Just, just let me do all the work. You sit back there and just lean into the turns with me, and it's going to be okay. Trust me. Okay, that all sounds super easy, right? I thought so, too. But then I got on the back. I said, fine, let's just switch places. You can be the captain. And guess who started putting his feet down? <laughs> About five feet in, I'm, I'm like, whoa, 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 hey. Right? And then there goes the bike, and we crash. I mean, we, we crashed. We were in pain that day. Oh, it was painful. Bruises all over the place. I kept putting my feet down. She would turn right. I would lean left. Oh, I can't do it. No, 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 no. And then we would derail. We would crash the bike. It was a wreck. It was not fun. We did not look like these people, that's for sure. They were definitely having fun. Many of us know how difficult it is to not be the captain of the bicycle. You know that? Because it's counterintuitive to sit in the back. In fact, when we are not the captain of the bicycle and we are sitting in the back, we actually need to relearn how to ride a bicycle. 
So you hear that, that phrase, once you learn how to ride a bike, uh, you know, you, you'll never forget. You can always do that. Yeah, that's, mm -hmm, yeah, until you get on the back of a tandem bicycle, I'll tell you that, right? Because the natural reaction is to work against the captain, right? It's to, oh, I, I'm losing my balance. I'm going to put my feet down, and then there goes the bike, and there goes the driver, and we're, we're done. Crash. Or, or the driver, the, the captain starts turning right, and, and it's our intuition to lean left and derail the bike, crash. That's what's intuitive. But once the person who sits on the back learns to submit to the control of the captain, then the whole ride goes smoother, and it's much safer. I didn't learn any of this until about a couple weeks after Jackie and I actually I wish I knew. Right? I wish I knew all this. You see, the Colossians, they were on the back of the tandem bike, but they were starting to put their feet down because they were having a difficult time believing that all along, plan A, plan A, was for Jesus to be the captain of their salvation from start to finish. In their view, Jesus started feeling like, yeah, this can't be sufficient. They started doubting his sufficiency. They were essentially saying, okay, Jesus, this, this is a great start. You got us here. I feel good. This is good. I, you know what? Let me, let, let's trade places. I got it from here. I got it from here. <laughs> but Paul is saying, nope. It was never designed for you to be the captain of the bike. It was never designed for that. That's not plan A. Plan A is for Jesus to be the captain of the bike. So the, the Apostle Paul, we're just going to run through the passage here. The Apostle Paul, he begins the section we're looking at and saying that, that Jesus is sufficient. He is supreme enough to handle their entire salvation from start to finish. Listen to what he says in um, chapter 2, verse 9. He says, For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. You know, in chapter 1, he starts out the book of Colossians. He, he starts out his letter by saying, Jesus is supreme. He is the supreme being. He is su supreme over, over creation. He is supreme over your salvation. He existed before the foundation of the earth. Before anything was created, Jesus existed, and he is God, the fullness of deity dwells in him bodily. He is God. Paul is saying, he's got this. He's God. You can trust him to be the captain. He also reminds them who they are in Christ Jesus. As he says this in verse 10, he says, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. He's reminding them who they are. I love that we sing this morning, the song, Who You Say I Am. Oh, that's true. It's true. It's counterintuitive, but it's true. Because it's counterintuitive for, for us to look at a holy, perfect God and to believe him when he says, you're my son. You're my daughter. You are my children. I love you. And you don't do anything to deserve to be in my presence. But trust in Jesus, the captain. Trust in him. Because I'm saying that you are my children. Not because of your works. Not because of your works. But because of Jesus. That's what he's saying. 
We have been filled in him. And then finally, Paul reminds the Colossians of what Jesus has accomplished for them. He says this in verse 13 through 15. He says, God made us alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Paul's saying, Jesus is enough to continue to be the captain of the salvation of the Colossians. But they were putting their feet down. They started putting their feet down because we see later in verse 16 and 23, he says that they, they, they started to, to submit to human traditions. They started to go back even to things that, that Christ, that Paul says in other letters, that, Paul, that, that Christ has accomplished already. They go back to the Old Testament rules and regulations and, and they start saying, hmm, you know, Jesus is good and all, but, but I'm really going to trust my own plan. They were tempted to believe that the plan all along was to follow these rules and regulations. So we look at things like the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament. Great example. And we think, yeah, that's plan A. There you go, that's plan A. Let's, let's just do our best to keep all these rules and regulations and these commands, and let's be very moral. And then, oh, oh, oops, we failed. We need Jesus. We need Jesus because, because we failed it. No. No. In fact, in the book of Galatians, Paul mentions that 430 years before the Old Testament law was given, Jesus was already plan A. So don't worry. Plan A was for Jesus to be the captain of your salvation before the foundation of the world. We hear in the New Testament writings of Paul. But it's not just the Colossians. This is a historic problem for for people who follow Jesus. All through the ages, through the history of the church, this is our struggle. We struggle to believe that Jesus is sufficient because we suffer from gospel amnesia. We are always trying to put our, foot, our feet down because we want to be in control. We look at the things that Jesus says I'm sufficient for, and we say, no way, that can't be possible. I'm putting my feet down. I'm getting off this bike. There goes the bike. It's because we all have a void, and this void, this emptiness that we know, that we are acutely aware of. This is because of sin. This is because of brokenness. And it's always, we are always looking to fill this void, by the way. Oh, and rightfully so. Rightfully so. It needs to be filled. This void needs, in fact, you were never created to have this void. It's not right. That's why we seek to fill it. You're not wrong to seek to fill the void. The, The question is whether or not what you're seeking to fill the void with, is it sufficient enough? Is it all that you need? Sometimes what we look at to fill the void seems to work for a time. I think of, uh, actually, anger. 
I'm just going to start mentioning all the stuff I struggle with. That's easy. Anger. I'm putting my feet down. I'm going to do something about this. I, I am going to throw a fit of anger. My kids are going to laugh. I know it because they witnessed this yesterday. Not against them, although a lot of the times it is with my family. But here's the thing. There was this driver. There was a driver yesterday who almost cried. I was, Jackie and I were pulling out, and I was actually, she was driving in front of me, and, and I was driving behind her, and there was this wild, crazy driver going about 90 miles an hour on a 35. Nuts. Almost crashed into our family car, and I saw it happen right before my eyes, and I was upset. Didn't, praise the Lord, God is gracious. It didn't happen. He didn't, there was no crash, but I was so angry. I Sped up to about 85 or something. Uh, because I was like, I'm going to get this guy. And I caught up to the person. This is no joke. I cannot believe I'm telling this story. I did not tell this story in the first service. I caught up to this and I rolled down my window and I said, yeah, slow down. Because I finally got next to him. Because I just felt like he needed a gentle reminder of, <laughs> of how to properly drive. I was looking to fill the void in the moment, but it Actually, the first thing that crossed my mind is, hey, oh, does this person go to Deer Creek? <laughs> I don't know. I better. I wish I would have said, oh, good job, buddy. Okay. Oh, see you Sunday. But, oh, man. And so I put my feet down thinking that I was going to fill the void. But anybody who's ever thrown a fit of rage knows it doesn't help. It doesn't, it doesn't fill the void. It makes us feel worse. It makes the problem worse worse. Instagram. I got an Instagram account. I post stuff on Instagram because I want to I wanna make people out there jealous of the life that I live, right? I want to I take a great picture of myself and then, by the way, there's going to be people snapping photos around here uh, while I'm preaching because I, I need to get that up there. <laughs> and uh, maybe I'll include a great caption that says, you know, I'm a hashtag humble that how awesome I am. I'm humbled at how awesome I am, right? Yeah. Oh, man. I'm humbled at how many people showed up to hear me preach. Wow. So, no, I, I, we are guilty in our culture of using things like Instagram, social media, to fill that void. It's not designed. It was never designed to fill that void. We're turning to these things, saying, maybe if I get human approval, Maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's what I'm looking for. It's, it's approval from, from people around me. So I'm going to post this, this picture on Instagram or Facebook, and I'm going to go back and I'm going to check about an hour and see how many likes, how many people even last an hour. No, it's probably like 10 minutes, right? And then for me, if you're like me, it's like six hours later, I'm like, oh, five people. Okay, cool. Fail. The void is still there. The void is still there. Maybe it's consumerism. Maybe you try to fill the void with consumerism. If I buy this Apple Watch, I, I, I'm going to do fine. This is good. All I need is the iPhone, the newest iPhone. or, or all, right, all I need is the latest Samsung. No, no one ever said that. <laughs> it's true. You get it. And how long does it last? It doesn't, it doesn't last, right? It, 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 you, it, it, that's the tricky thing about consumers in particular for me is, is it actually does. It's, it's exciting to get that thing. It's exciting to get to the new, the new watch. It's exciting. And then, and then about it, 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 
it feels like it's filling the void, but then it takes about a month to realize, man, this, I, what? I seriously spent $500 on this watch just to be connected to my phone? This is, I'm not going to wear this anymore. Ice cream. I, who's looking for ice cream to fill that void this afternoon? Oh, boy. Food was not designed to fill that void. Look, listen, we turn to these things as, a, as though they are plan A to fill the void that we're so acutely aware of. In, in doing this, we, we treat Jesus as though he is plan A, as though he's supposed to be treated as some sort of backup plan. Like he's supposed to be a supplement to our salvation. Yeah, just, just throw some of that in there and you're going to be fine. And when we do this, we're, we're, we're sitting on the back of the tandem bicycle and we're, we're putting our feet down. We're saying, no way, no way does, does, can he sustain to be the captain of my salvation. Or, or we're too ashamed to go to Jesus because we think that plan A was for us to be the captain in the first place. That's what I was talking about earlier. We, we, we think the law the moral code is really the plan. And so when I fail at that, I'm just totally crushed and lost. And then I'm ashamed. And so instead of turning to Jesus, I start feeling like I need to make myself better. I start feeling like I need to atone for my own sin. I can take care of this. I can be the captain. And so before I turn to Jesus, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I send and you know what I could do the next week? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tune all my presets on my radio to Caleb. That'll help. I, I, I'm only going to read Christian books. I'm only going to read Christian books. That'll help me. I, I better go back to studying doctrine and theology. I'm going to get out my systematic theology book. That'll help. That'll make me feel better. <laughs> We're not designed to be the captain of your salvation because Jesus, Jesus is designed to be the captain of your salvation. In, Paul says it in the book of Ephesians when he's writing that letter, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, he says that before the foundation of the world, before the foundation of the world, before you and I ever even existed, Jesus was already plan A before you sinned. Jesus was already plan A. Because plan A is for Jesus to be the captain of your salvation. The book of Hebrews, the author of Hebrews says in, in chapter 12, verse 2, it says, he is Jesus, he is the founder, he is the perfecter of our faith. The captain, he's the founder, he's the one who started it, he's the one who led us to the doorsteps, he's the one who got us in. And he's the one who's going to continue driving. That's the design. You're never designed to take the seat as the captain. Plan A is for Jesus to be the captain of your salvation from start all the way to the finish. You see, Jesus is not just the, 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 element, the elementary entry-level message. And then the rest depends on you and, and the rest rests on you. No, he is the beginning and he is the sustaining power that keeps you. So we need to stop putting our feet down. Stop putting your feet down. It's easier said than done, right? 
I know that. Because I'm putting my feet down right now. <laughs> right now, what I'm worried about is, do they approve of me? Do they approve? I'm getting off the bike because I'm really looking for their approval. Oh, this whole week, Jesus is reminding me of this. I'm writing this sermon thinking, man, I really hope Dwayne approves of this. <laughs> and I'm right now thinking, what are you writing? <laughs> Why? I'm trying not to look over there. <laughs> I'm putting my feet down right now. <laughs> I, I'm thinking, oh, this is ridiculous. This is, uh, I just thought of this. Uh, here I am, I'm tasked with, with, the, with, with this task to, to expose the glory of Christ. But I'm worried about what you think about me. What? I'm supposed to be getting out of the way. Oh, there I am, putting my feet down. What are we supposed to do? You ask. What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do when it is so intuitive for me to want to put my feet down and switch seats with Jesus? That's intuitive. The gospel is counterintuitive. The gospel is, is it's, it's against our nature. The gospel is what's teaching us how to rewrite a bike when we're sitting in the back. The gospel is teaching us when we turn right, we lean into the turn. Not away from it, and then crash the bike and put our feet down and say, I can't do it. The gospel, it's counterintuitive. It's hard. And we forget that because we suffer from gospel amnesia. That's why it is vitally important for us as the church to gather together here on Sunday mornings. You knew I was going to say it. I'm the worship director, for goodness sakes. Right? Our entire worship service is planned in such a way that we tell this story of the gospel and we confront this intuition that's in our nature. Every week, we need this moment. We need to be here. So that we can be continually reminded because we suffer from gospel amnesia. That's what our, our service was designed to do. That's why Chipper, at the beginning, his name is Chipper, by the way. It's the, the worship leader standing over here. He, um, he opened up our worship service this morning with a call to worship. A call to worship coming from God, from God's word saying, I'm not just going to sit back. And, and hope that people praise me. No, God is saying, I'm going to go call them. I'm going to go and say, be in my presence. I'm going to woo them. The call to worship is vital for our worship. Because it's us recognizing that God takes initiative in our worship. He's the first one to speak. He's the first one to come after us. And then we sing songs of adoration. We sing songs of praise recognizing the supremacy of God, the supremacy of Jesus over all things, over all creation, the supremacy of Christ in our own salvation. We are reminded of that in the songs that we sing. We then confess our sins. 
every week. Some, by some form. Whether we sing, whether we read, whether we, we sit silently. We spend the time confessing our sins, saying, our merciful God, we confess that this week we put our feet down. We didn't trust you as all-sufficient. God, all week I've been putting my feet down. All week I've been leaning the opposite way than you, the captain, Jesus, rather than leaning into the turns with you. Because I want to be in control of my own salvation. And then the culmination of all this. After we confess our sins, we are then reminded that Jesus forgives us. We are reminded that he is enough and he is all that we need. And, and we're reminded that he is the captain who drove us here. And he is the captain who will continually keep us here by his grace. You see, meeting together to worship is how we fight against the intuition of our nature, which tells us that, that we ought to be performing in order to be accepted and approved by God. That's our nature. But in our worship service, this is where we are reminded that God's grace is what overcomes our natural intuition. And we need that reminder because the moment we walk out of these doors, I'll just speak for myself, the moment I walk out of this door every Sunday, I'm back to putting my feet down because I'm, I'm, I'm throwing fits of anger. Because I leave this and I start thinking, ah, maybe, maybe, I, maybe I need to add things to my salvation. Maybe, maybe I'll feel better if I fill the void in this other way. We are reminded to stop putting our feet down and to start leaning into the turns with Jesus because he is the captain of our salvation and that is plan A. I told you I'd be short. Let's pray. Lord, we need you. We are desperate for you. So often we forget and we don't even realize how desperate we actually are for you. Lord, we have a void and we look to other things to fill it when those things are not designed to fill the void. You are. Because you are plan A. From the foundation of the world. So teach us to trust in you, to have faith in you, and to trust you as the captain of our salvation. In Jesus' name, amen.